Say that the podcast for your big questions get real answers. My name is Matt King. I'm your host here in the city of Chicago, and joining me here is Glenn Fitzgerald, the founder of Mission USA. Oi. Really? As you're going, just grunts? Well, it's like the second recording of a two episode recording. Yeah, it is. First one, I was all amped up. It's basically now, like working in the mines. Now I'm just, I'm spent. Right. Nobody has it harder than us. No. Also joining us, Jed Brew, the director of Mission USA Productions. I celebrate that that grunt was most of the way to a very good Krusty the Clown. And okay. that I, there's a lot of potential there. So. Okay. As all good grunts are. Yeah. Joining us all the way from Rutgers, Tennessee, one of the pastors of Christ Community Church, Lee Younger. Especially Glenn, but especially Jed. Well yeah. done, sir. Well done. Here's Krusty. You got your sideshow, Bob. All the classics. Yep. And believe me, if I thought we could get away with it, Yes, this podcast would be 45 solid minutes of Simpsons references. (laughs) (laughs) But we don't have time for that. We have many wonderful questions uh, to get to, a lot of good stuff. But first, I must declare a New Year's emergency. Whoa. Whoa. That's right. We are recording this on December the 23rd, but it will come out on January 2nd, 2019. Dang. So, but wait, we're... We're recording this now. That's right. This is my fault for but, not seeing this coming. But like, but people aren't hearing it now. No, they're hearing yeah. it now. We're you know where those live. people are, Glenn? Where, where are they? They're in the future. That's but not they're, aware. They're not hearing it when we're saying it. You know what year it is right now in the future, Glenn? Well, it feels what, like 2013. What year, what year? 2019. Is this officially oh, I'm pretty sure this travel? bit is from 2012. Officially, like, are we it, time travelers at this point? Is it is it like a like an echo or something? It's just like that. Pretty much. Okay. A future echo. That's how I tried to explain the podcast to uh, parents and older relatives when I talked to them about it. It's like it's like an echo that lives in your phone. When <laughs> when Glenn says a word, when does the word happen? Does the word That's right. the sound of the word happen when Glenn's saying it now, or does it happen in the future? When does the wisdom become spiritually like powerful that's right does wisdom time travel clearly it does i mean that's what we're looking at like if wisdom falls in the forest yeah and no one's there to hear it yeah what's the sound of one hand clapping right yeah it's like because it's like they're not hearing it now no yeah they are hearing it's beamed into the future that's right (laughs) it doesn't really exist until they hear it it's like the observer effect it could be 30 uh, oh 19. Wow. Absolutely. They, thousand that was too many now. numbers. <laughs> you don't know. Here's what I'm saying. People could be like in a flying car right now listening to this. That's right. Somebody is somebody's definitely listening to this all hopped up on cough syrup, well, and they are so just digging What it. if people, by the time they listen to this podcast, are just disembodied brains? Yeah, probably. That's that could happen is. by January 2nd, 2019, to be yeah. fair. We don't know. Let's yeah. talk about... If you're a brain floating in a jar, yes. Right, how do you make friends, and what's dating like? <laughs> well, you go on Brainder. That's thing number one. Okay, that's how you meet other brains, right? Sure. But, but you don't want to be superficial about this, right? Okay? Yeah, just there's a picture of a brain, but you know, it's but not, you got to get to know that. You got to get dude. to know the brain. Yeah, you can't just be swiping left and right on brains just on based on the picture of the brain. Willy nilly, absolutely. Really nilly and like, oh, look at the wrinkles on that brain. Yeah, see, this is what I'm talking about. <laughs> I really want this bit to keep going until Glenn's understanding of Tinder falls apart. <laughs> I kiss braining goodbye. There's, there's a lot there. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, brain dating cannot be any more of a problem than Christian dating has become, right? That's, that's right. Somebody's going to try to come up with brain courtship. Yeah. I'll brain you all night long. Nope, too far. <laughs> yep, moving on. There's you know what? I felt it. I felt it that time. I, I think I'm getting better. <laughs> that's excellent. That's yeah, no, acknowledgement is yeah. good. You know the meeting yeah. will happen. Of, <laughs> yeah, a couple oh, yeah. of years ago, we would have gone to get food out of the podcast recording and be driving back from that, and Glenn would go, was the brain thing a little too much? <laughs> yeah. But he right. really caught it right after you said it this no, time. Yeah, I could, I could feel it. It's yeah, pretty, yeah. Well, as, pretty evolved. To, to quote Tasha Lawson, to intentionally change the subject. <laughs> Yes. Gentlemen, let's look ahead to 2019. Okay. Oh. What do we want to happen? What do we want to do? That could be as a podcast. That could be as individuals. That could be 
you know, say that world headquarters enterprises here. What do we what do we think is on the horizon? Well, uh, I think the main thing we ought to do is dominate all media. Absolutely. <laughs> no, that's fair. That uh, we've had that written on the whiteboard for a number of years. Yeah. What's the progress on that so far? Good. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's, that's good. I feel good about that. So, uh, any more specifics? Um, it, it, just that the world domination certainly in there. Yeah. Like, um, is it possible? And I don't know if the technology exists for this, but. Can we uh, encourage people to have a chip implanted, like in their ear canal, okay. and we're just in there twenty four seven? I mean, we can work on it. Yeah, yeah, I think that'd be good. Like, are we just? Do they just overhear us at all times, or are we? Oh, that would be yeah. bad. I don't want that. That would be horrible, right? <laughs> be, we're, because we are not doing the Truman Show twenty four seven live stream. This this podcast is exactly like what it's like to hang, including the spiritual stuff, is exactly what it's like to hang out with us and just have dinner with us or whatnot, except for it's PG rated. Yeah. This is us as well behaved as we know how to be. Yeah, that's correct. Yes. That's true. For as long as we can be well behaved. Yeah. 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 So, again, two episode record, about 75 minutes into a conversation, that's when Lynn starts saying things about like the braining line that happened earlier. Yeah. I'll, you don't even know. Girl. Oh, I do know. Girl. Experienced. <laughs> but here's what I'm saying is, uh, what we could do is we take all the podcast recordings. Okay. Put them in a loop. Right. Ah, that's the sound of madness. We ah. brain. We 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 broadcast that straight to your ear hole. Sure. And it's in there. Yes. On a loop. Yes. That wisdom is just. You know what I mean? Because it's it's going in there by layers. You're, yeah. You're hearing all the nuances in it. And you're getting something different each time. That's right. So that's I think that's a good goal. No doubt. For 019. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, okay, so we're looking at um, world domination, yep. all media, uh, omnipresence mm-hmm. inside the actual skulls of our, our listener base. Yeah. Anybody have anything maybe a little more, uh, I'm trying to, you know, uh, smaller, like just, you know. Uh, to where we we're shrunk down to like yeah the no very no small metaphorically size. smaller no not like a fantastic voyage do we thing. do we live I, inside I the iPhone at that point of the listener yeah pretty much yeah I think that would be good we could we could just shrink down and then you know then they couldn't see us coming I, I was thinking along the lines of like people we wanted to interview or like you know on the bridge podcast we could do some sermons about this but we've 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 gone very sci-fi with it here's one of the great things about being shrunken. Mm. All right. And I feel like people have never explored these possibilities. We've all been to Burger King and thought, you know what I want is a Whopper that's as big as I am. Right. Duh. Now, Jed, when you say we all, Duh. we have I all I think you might that. be projecting. You're talking about climbing in a Whopper and eating your way out. <laughs> this is exactly what I'm talking about. Uh, this is a great Just goal parachute for this in there. podcast. Yeah. I mean, yeah, we've done the double Whopper with cheese in a vain attempt to get as close to that dream as we can. Sure. But there are limits. It just doesn't feel like we're all the way there. With the say that shrink rate, though, you could reduce me in proportion to the Whopper and let me live my eat my way out of the Whopper dream. (laughs) To me, this is a great goal for this podcast. I feel like, you know, Harry Houdini built a career on getting out of stuff. Right. Right? I feel like I could be the Harry Houdini of fast food. You're saying we handcuff you. Yeah. Put you in a human-sized Big Mac. Yes. And then you eat your way out. Yes. Not using your hands. Yes, exactly. Well, we just lost a Burger King sponsorship, first of all, with all the Big Mac talk. Oh, sorry. Sorry. I I think we need to uh, take a look at all our options. Yeah, because, I mean, I'd like to see Jed, you know, like in a forest of cinnamon twists. Yes, absolutely. Okay, so we're talking about a, a a bidding war between Burger King, McDonald's, and Cinnabon. Yes, absolutely. And who who wins this this battle royale, dude? I I would definitely. I, you know what? I would even donate my time in order to eat my way out of a Cinnabon. Okay, okay a life size. Now I want to be clear here. You got to deposit me in the gooey center, right? You're not going to put me in the overcooked crust. No, that's, that's not of any interest. Will he no make it out before armor. diabetes? Right. <laughs> I mean, that's that's what you call drama, right? Absolutely. There. You know what I mean, so whoever can agree 
to 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 create the biggest you know life size food product. Right. That's who we're going with. Or shrink ray. Or shrink shrink us down. Either way, you know. So I I think we got a great idea here. This uh, you know what. Some people don't like brainstorming because they don't like good ideas, but I, I think these are winners. 2019 is going to be our best year yet, man. Yeah. Yeah. My, my new vision for 2019 is remaking that Matt Damon movie where they shrink themselves. Yeah. Uh-huh. And it's like a whole thing about using resources and all that. But it's just Jed really annoying the guy with questions <laughs> only about fast food. Because Jed looked at what if there were shrink rays and he immediately went to Burger King. All right, I got another one. Okay. Same thing. All right, look, I want to combine deliciousness with wintertime sports. Okay. All right, with the miracle of shrink ray technology, you could go snowboarding wow. on soft serve ice cream. Right. But then you're going to get hungry because yeah. that's physical activity. You're building up an appetite. You just stop and eat the hill. Okay, so you're talking about eating what you're snowboarding on this is exactly what i'm saying there's no downside to this if my experience of snowboarding is indicative you spend about 65 percent of your time face down in the mush Boom. so that being delicious off of ice cream really would solve a lot of problems it all works out i think this might be our best idea yet totally why don't we just ditch giving out the spiritual advice and really focus on the shrink rate part? <laughs> of the podcast? Well, I, I'm not sure that falls uh, into our particular skill set. Oh, I'm not sure the four of us have what it is to resize matter. Hmm. Well, I I do have more experience in Christian ministry than I do with uh, you know physics and shrinkage. Well, for yeah. now. You know, you know, yeah. I mean, you you know, you got to start Almost somewhere. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's you know, you got to start at the bottom. You know, totally. Well, I don't think any of us saw that going there. <laughs> and uh, with that in mind, I'm going to declare uh, emergency off. And I think if uh, that bit was any indication, 2019 is going to be well more of the same, really. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> but as these guys point out, we uh, we we don't have the technological know how for all these ideas. Right. I mean, we we've got a we've got a bunker. Yeah, but we need to maybe 2019 is the year we really increase this the uh, efficacy of this lab setup because mm. at this point it's basically just a uh, one glass jar that uh, Glenn has written lab on right in Sharpie and that's just not getting much research done. But of course, to do that, we're gonna need your help. We're gonna need people to sign up for Richbox. It's only eight dollars a month. So we're gonna need a lot of people to sign up. Right now, we you know that money goes to uh, hiring part time employees, our deacons division who. Help us out at the bridge. They get folks uh, hooked up with twelve step programs and job programs. Take them church visits. Get them the food pantry information, recovery information, all sorts of amazing stuff that our deacons do. It also goes to support the work that Lee does, uh, making music and hanging out, and ministering to kids down there in Tennessee. But I feel like we had a critical number of signups. We can set a little aside for the shrink ray program. Oh yeah, wow! And I think that's going to yield a lot of ministry dividends of its own. Oh yeah, missionusa.com slash bridge box uh our topic for january 2019 is going to be dealing with boredom which we're actually going to talk about at the end of the show as a little preview that'll be our third question so you hear a little intro on that and we've signed up bridge box to get sermons that glenn and i gave the bridge get songs from a lot of very talented folks missionusa.com slash bridge box we do our first question here it comes in anonymously and it says I was at my old church for six years. I was very committed and spent a lot of time serving the church. They treated me very badly when I started asking questions about the church that led to me leaving. There was a lot of guilt and manipulation. How do I stop that bad experience from coloring the way I see the entire world? What's the balance between giving new people and places a chance, but also learning lessons from past experiences? And it's a very sharp question. And Glenn, where do we start off? First and foremost, we're sorry for your experience. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we, we've, uh, all of us on, on this podcast have experienced stuff sort of vaguely similar to this. I guess all, all these stories are, uh, unique in their own way. Uh, but we've been around, uh, you know, dysfunctional, uh, church type of, uh, setups there and, and had people get weird with that. And, uh, it can throw you off. It can make you feel like, you know, I don't want to take a shot at having this kind of experience again. So that part's understandable. And I think off of that, being careful is good. Uh, you know, uh, being um, uh, of a mindset of, I I maybe could have seen some of this coming. There were signs and indications. 
but you know, twenty hindsight's twenty twenty, and and let's not blame you on that, and right. let's not uh, let a, a paranoia type mentality build up moving forward, uh, and let's certainly not uh, expect the next church to pay for what the last church did. That's that would be a bad mentality going that way. But let's let's talk about the positive side of this uh, equation here. It's really really important to sift mm-hmm. churches and, and church experiences, volunteer opportunities, youth groups, whatever it is you're looking to be involved in, sifting these things for quality is a really good thing. First of all, all too many Christians think the idea of giving yourself permission to sort these in one way or another is bad just in and of itself, that, that, that they're all preaching the same gospel, so that means they're all the same. Uh, if you think that, there's a chance that you might uh, be high or have some form of, uh, where you bumped your head, sure, and you're now you're kind of, everything's kind of, maybe you have blurry vision. Sure. Well, go to a doctor, don't go to church. Sure. Get, get yourself examined first. And maybe a helmet for a little while, just yeah. until you get it all sorted out. Just, yeah, take it easy around low beams. <laughs> okay. Uh, That's just good safety tip, even even separate from the spiritual. Advice. Absolutely If you right. feel woozy, sit down for a while. Yeah, yeah that's, you know. that's critical. Uh, so this is the thing is like you have you ever done um uh where you're searching on something like a Amazon or something and there's a little button there that says you could filter these 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 choices by looking at things you need to filter out certain things you're sensing the need for that you're you may feel guilty for that uh and it, you don't want to go overboard to sift them all out that's that's not helping you find something good it's important for you to Figure out what is the criteria I need to be looking at for a good church, not avoiding a bad church, but finding a good one. Uh, And it's important for you to get good advice on that. Please, please contact us and give us a chance to help you with that. We'd love to do that. Whatever it is you're looking for, we can help you find that and get into something healthy. But uh, we do need to develop a criteria of what it is that we're looking for and how do we know when we found it. Finally, I think the key thing, really, and we talk about this a lot, is to find your tribe. Find your inner circle that you can bond with. That might be a small group within the church. It might be a youth group within the church. It might be your campus ministry that you're involved in as a college student. And then church kind of fills in uh, some of the rest of those gaps. But the real trust and, and intimacy is what you experience in your campus ministry or your small group, your Bible study. And there's nothing wrong with that whatsoever. It's important to find that tribe. If you have that um, safety and security in that, then you can uh, fill in the gaps, like I'm saying here, with church stuff, and it doesn't have to be the end-all, be-all. I think it's a really great point, and uh, still on the, on the church aspect of this, and I think we'll, we'll broaden it out here in a minute. But, Jed, let me usually leave the idea of, we talk a lot on the show about, when we're talking about church stuff, there's there's uh, the categories we would often put that in is there's harmful yeah and then there's nonsense yeah I think in a similar way here there is you had a bad experience yeah and as one saying we're sorry for that but there were things that were there yep. that were present but were not what made this experience bad yep so on that 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 uh in this Glenn's talking about sifting church it's also important to sit down and do some some sifting of this experience. Yep. So what are the things we're going to look at? We're going to do a bit of an after-action report on this happened. It was bad. So different than was it good or bad? We're not yeah. clear of that, but how, what's a, a healthy way to look at a bad thing that happened to make sure we have the proper perspective going forward? It's a great question. Well, let's imagine a dating relationship for a second. Let's imagine that uh, we went through a bad breakup and we were dating a person who had red hair and was a habitual liar. Okay. If it's a bad enough breakup, there'd be a temptation to say, I don't want to date anyone who's anything like the person that I was just with, no matter what. Find me a brain in a jar. (laughs) Find me a brain in a jar. Sexy, sexy brain. All right. Too far again. (laughs) Again, I felt it right away. That That was really wrong. You know what? I celebrated that one. That that, that felt good. So we're going to get a 180 from the redheaded liar. Yeah, exactly. I don't want a redheaded liar. All right. Well, here's the problem is... The red hair had nothing to do with anything. 
Um, Unless it was dyed, in which case, isn't that kind of a lie? <laughs> We're going to assume it was a natural no. redhead, but that's a good point. Also, no, it's not. Before I get stabbed, it's fine. And we celebrate however you want to do your hair. I you like redheads. Absolutely. The hair was not the problem. <laughs> the lying, maybe. The lying was the problem. So if you say, moving forward, I'm not putting up with any dishonesty in my relationships. I've seen what that can do. I'm just, I'm not going to be cool with that. All right, that makes sense. If you said, I'm not sure about redheads either, well, that that didn't have anything to do with anything. Much. That's, you know, we, we've, as they say, we've mistaken correlation for causation here, and that's a problem. Okay, now that sounds like a silly example, but people actually do that with church stuff all the time. So if you look at your church experience, you say, okay, they had a fog machine and they were deeply manipulative. All right. One of those is a bad thing. The manipulation is a bad thing. Fog machine was just there. It's, just, it's, yeah, neither... it's silly, but it's not it's bad. silly. But it's, uh, put another one. They didn't use the fog to sneak around and do the manipulation. <laughs> yeah, it was it was just coincidental. Exactly they right. They used guilt. Ninja Church. <laughs> they used guilt as a tool to control me, and also their pastor had his own worship CD. Okay, one of these is fine. The other is bad. I right. mean, really bad. So it's. You've gone through a bad experience. You have been mistreated. Matt, as you rightly point out, you know, we want to start and say this was bad. It's not a question of was bad. It, it was. But we need to get precise about which things were bad about it. Uh, because it's not necessarily a problem to go to another church where the worship pastor has a CD. That, that's fine, um, in theory. Uh, but if another church with guilt, another church with manipulation, that would be a problem. And you'll see people actually try and swap out the wrong variables. You know, we, we see people all the time say, I went to this big church and all they did was manipulate me with guilt and fear. Now I'm going to go to a small church that manipulates me with guilt and fear. That is not an improvement. But it's really intimate <laughs> guilt and fear. And that's nice. You know. And again, it is, it makes sense to say I've been, you know, I've had people be manipulative. I've had people question my level of commitment. I've had people be weird about finances and I'm not putting up with that in the future. Sure. That's, that's right up. That, that makes sense. That's good. But it get where we start to get into a problem is when we're taking stuff that wasn't bad, that didn't have anything to do with the bad situation. And we're kind of tying that in. And that is where Glenn was talking about uh, the idea of not asking someone new to pay for the last person's mistake. Right. It, it, it wouldn't be right to walk in and say, you guys have a drum kit. My last church had a drum kit. You're probably just like them. That, that wouldn't be good. And you will see people do that. And, and we don't want to do it. The way that we avoid that is by getting into the nitty gritty of what was wrong right. and what was wrong about it so that we know what to look for moving forward. That's exactly right. And Lee, I'd love to get you to close out here. And let's, let's, let's move away from the church thing. I think these, these guys did a great job uh, breaking that down. There's also uh, more aspects to this. As, as Jed's talked about, there's, there's certainly uh, dating relationship aspects. There are uh, people... Uh, can sometimes take this mentality into like if you had a bad situation leaving a job yeah. or really any kind of group, there's this idea of I want to not have that bad experience again. So I want to inoculate against it, but that can lead to a lot of trouble. So in non-church environments, how do we deal with the fact that I am wounded and acknowledging that may have that may play with my mind a little bit as I look at a new situation that wasn't responsible for that? Yeah, I mean, I mean, I think a lot of the things that that Glenn and Jed have already lined out are, are related to this exact same idea, and, and and one of the things that can happen um, is just this idea of like I'm so wounded that I can't go on anymore. Well, you know, I love that you that you look at this in the context of a job because you don't really have that luxury. You can't just like kind of throw up your hands and say, "Well, I give up. I'll never work again," because there are groceries that have to be paid for. And so we've got to figure out a way to go forward on this, right? We've got to figure out a way to say, okay, a bad thing happened to me. And it's exactly what Jed's talking about. So I've got to figure out what that was so that the thing that wounded me is the thing that I avoid next time. I know I know what's going on and I've got my radar up for that thing, but I've got to get a job. So I've got to figure out how to go forward on this thing. And I think... Um, I, I think a thing that can happen for, you know, for a while there, like, like, let's say you're, you are in a dating relationship where you've had like a bad breakup or something like that. 
in that kind of a situation, there definitely can be this kind of time that you go through where it's like, I I can't even think about dating anybody right now. I, I, I'm going to just shut that thing down because I'm so wounded. But one of the things that we've talked about often with a with kind of a breakup is the thing that one of the things that can help you move past some of the wounds of that is like a good dating situation, like a, a good first date with somebody else. That's really nice. And you have like a positive time, even if that doesn't become the, this amazing relationship or whatever, simply getting forward, moving on is going to be one of those things that's going to help you get past some of the wounds of the past, even if it's not like, like maybe, you know, you, you've had this bad job experience or whatever. And so the feeling is I can't go into anything like that again. Well, totally fair. And yet, as we said before, we've got to buy some groceries. So let's start applying for some stuff and see if just getting active and get putting that thing farther and farther in the rearview mirror isn't something that will help move through those wounds. I think with the spiritual stuff, people do have a um they do have a tendency to say, I've been hurt and therefore I'm out. That's over now. I'm not gonna do that anymore. And I think we can be understanding about that. And yet, when you look at it in the con- context of like a job or, or a dating relationship or something like that, it's like, no, I got to go find another job or I'm going to eventually date again. And sometimes just taking that next step is is part of, it's part of kind of changing your identity of like, I'm not going to be the wounded person forever here. I'm going to go ahead and take a step forward, find something that doesn't have the unhealthy elements that I experienced before, and now I've got this radar up for the stuff that I won't put up with, exactly as Jed's saying. I'm not going to put up with manipulation. I'm not going to put up with guilt. I'm not going to put up with deception or anything like that. If you were leaving a bad job, starting a new one, you'd have to get a new one, but you have your radar up now about the unhealthy stuff that you don't want, and you get a chance to move on, and that's going to put that bad experience farther and farther in the rear view. Absolutely right. I think all these guys gave you a lot of good stuff on that. One small thing I'll tack on the end here is I think some of this can be, as as Lee is talking about, that feeling of of being wounded and a certain identity of that that can happen from that. Um, there's a framing issue here. I was talking to uh, someone about this recently of if you had a really bad experience, and let's assume this was just train wreck as bad as we can possibly imagine on the way out the door and the pastor was awful and, you know, program whatever certainly that was bad and it's uh, totally understandable to say I don't want to have to deal with that ever again that was awful I don't ever want to do that again but another way of looking that at that is whatever happens at this church it can't be that bad and even if it's 80 percent of that bad which would suck I survived a hundred percent of that bad mm-hmm. so you know it, it won't be the end of the world so we often talk about with like a dating rejection. One of the things you learn the first time rejected is you didn't die. So you'll be fine. Yep. And some of that, as these guys are talking about, you'd certainly want to uh, think that through. You want to pray that through. You want to look, you want to look for a good situation. But um, if it's something where, well, this, this tweaked me out a little bit, you can take a little solace in the fact that it's not going to be as bad as that last one. And you know that if you have to extricate yourself from this situation, even if it does get messy, you know how to do that. You, you've happened to that before. So part of that should make you, if you're willing to look at it in a certain way, it can make you kind of fearless to say, I don't want, I obviously don't want a bad thing to happen. I'm for a good thing, but uh, me- messy church, church manipulation can no longer frighten me. Right. For I have uh, seen the absolute highest octane of that that can possibly exist in the world. So I'm just not that worried about it. And if you're willing to uh, look in some things that way, you'll find, uh, I think that this as a bad this is no something that no one who's been through a bad experience wants to hear, but it's often true that actually made you stronger as opposed to weaker if you wanted to look at it and start looking at it in that way. Or right, move on to our next question here. It comes in and honestly it says, I know I have all I need in God, so why do I have a feeling that I'm losing out? Why do I feel like I'm missing out on the good things in life? Why does it seem like everybody else is getting ahead while I'm trying to make up for lost time. And Jed, where starts off here? Well, uh, I can relate. And if we're honest, we can all relate. Sure. So how do we unravel this? Well, let's start by looking at your question. Why does it seem like everybody else is getting ahead? 
Well, there are two things on that. The first is everybody lies. Yep. And a lot. And uh, I'm assuming that a certain amount of your feeling like everybody else is getting head is based on what you see on social media. And that's almost all people do on social media is lie. That's what it's for. That's that's why it's there. So um, we definitely want to be clear on that. The second thing, of course, is that most of the stuff that you see people bragging about on social media doesn't actually make you happy. I mean, it sounds really exciting. It sounds like it would be great, but it doesn't have the power to make you be happy. A, a really good example, one that comes up a lot whenever people have these discussions, is travel. I mean, people are always bragging about the latest trip they've taken on social media. Dude, next time you're in an airport, just look around at the people. <laughs> See how happy they look. Yeah. These folks don't seem to be excited to go to Cleveland as I am. <laughs> yeah. That's weird. Travel does not have an innate power to make you be happy, man. It it really super does not. And if you've got your mindset on being miserable, you can be just as miserable in Bali yep. as you are here. No doubt. So again, I think one of the things that we need to acknowledge is we're being we're having active unhappiness marketed to us 24 hours a day. Every time you're online, there's a strong message, hey, you should be unhappy. We need to be clear on that. But then on the other side of that is, do you know what would make you happy? Because if you don't, then that's kind of a hard problem to solve, right? You know, if, it, if it's basically just more stuff, I guess, it's, that's probably not going to go in, in a good direction. You, you said in your question, I know I have all that I need in God, so why do I have a feeling that I'm losing out? Let's actually look at that for a second. I think part of the reason why you may have a feeling that you're losing out is you're not sure what things would be satisfying to you, right? So you said, I know that all that I need is in God. All right, that's true, but God also wants you to have food and water and shelter and clothes on your back and, you know, human interaction. So he, he is sufficient for you in a big picture sense, but he means for you to have a life that has other things in it. I mean, you know, being a Christian is not co-equal with being, you know, an ascetic monastic. This is not the same thing. So I think we need to look at what would be satisfying to you. Um, we are looking at a similar question recently on a, a, a radio program. And if you talk to counselors and psychologists and therapists and whatnot, a few things come up a lot that most people find lead to happiness. One of those is a sense of purpose. Uh, one of those is a strong sense of community in their lives. Uh, one of those is, generally speaking, a sense of personal growth that I'm developing as a human being. Uh, definitely one of those is balance. You know, I feel like the, the different areas of my life are in balance. I think God wants you to have all four of those things. Yeah. I think God wants you to have balance and growth and good community and a strong sense of purpose. But we have to pursue those things. We have to take a hold of them. All those require an active investment on our part. You may note, I don't think you ever see people bragging about any of those things on social media. Um, they, they, they're bragging about their trip to Bali where they're still unhappy. They're, they're not, you know, guys, you wouldn't believe how much purpose I have. I, I tagged my purpose in this photo. It's pretty sweet. You know, you have to go out and develop a sense of purpose, and you won't really be able to brag about it, which is part of why people don't do that. But it will lead you not just to a greater sense of happiness and satisfaction in your life. It will actually – people suspect sometimes, well, if I was really happy, though, wouldn't God be threatened because, like, I wouldn't have all that need in him? No. If you develop <laughs> that sense of purpose, you will have greater intimacy with God off of it. Uh, if you develop that sense of community – that will help your walk with God. That sense of balance will help your walk with God. That personal growth will help your walk with God. That's part of why he wants you to have those good things in your life. We want those things for you too. So it's about recognizing that in a lot of ways is the thing that you're looking for, not the trip to Bali that isn't working for your person that's basically lying about it to begin with. Absolutely. I would really like kind of a an eat, pray, love project, but it's a very unhappy woman during this just here's me berating an assistant manager in Bali. <laughs> here's me complaining about the salad in, in, in Kathmandu, just, you know, really kind of a, a more realistic expression of that travel reality. Uh, that was all, it was all a lot of great stuff. And Lee, let's look at the idea uh, to continue on of there's what you're jealous of and what you're unhappy about. And those can feel like they're the same thing, but they also might be a little bit more disconnected than you think. Yeah. I, 
I, I really love where Jed took this, uh, especially the the part about the fact that everybody on social media is lying, and and I mean it just it just begs you know being said again when you look at people's what people have given you as their life we call it social media because it's mediated they have be they they are editing this they are the the person who is mediating their version of their reality and you look at that and it makes you feel all kinds of stuff about your situation the the part that nobody shows you is that they have just as much tedium and just as much weird and just as much you know frustration and all that kind of stuff in their life as well it's not only a situation where everybody's lying about how cool you know the vacation is but they're also not exposing just the normal like the the normal boring stuff um and and, and this can make you feel like all i have in my life is uh is i'm missing out and all they have is cool and beautiful. Um, one of the things that that this made this question made me feel about, or made me think about, was it made me think about friends I know who are in twelve uh, step programs, and um, and just how much kind of vulnerability and honesty, and because of that kind of community and 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 fellowship and help can come out of those environments. Uh, folks that are in a 12-step program together, folks that have uh, relationships of, you know, of, of a sponsor and um, just people that go to the same meeting day in and day out, these are people that have given up the veneer. They, they, have, they have quit that whole thing of like, I'm going to put this front out of what my life looks like. And as a result of that, they just kind of know each other and they talk about stuff the way it really is. And then that allows this other really, really cool thing, which is it allows them to feel like, okay, my life is a lot like other people's lives, which it's hard and we have a lot of temptations and I got a lot, I got a lot of struggles and I have a lot of problems. And so anything that happens that's positive or that's good or whatever, I have a lot of gratitude for that. And I'm practicing gratitude. Um, there's a thing that can happen when you start practicing gratitude where you don't have to look at anybody else's life. And if you get, um, for me, as I was thinking about this, it, it took my mind down the path of the what people have who are in the 12-step program, just the way that they don't have all that veneer and sheen over their life, they're just kind of giving that crap up, and how it opens up the possibility of gratitude so much more. And if you're not dependent on looking at everybody else's lies, and you're okay with the fact that sometimes my life is boring, sometimes it's tedious, sometimes it's hard, sometimes it's really frustrating. And in the midst of that, I'm going to learn how to start practicing some gratitude. That's going to change the way you feel about, about your life situation and about what you think you may be missing out on or what it is you've actually got. That's all really, really fantastic stuff. And Glenn, where would you close us out here? Well, I want to zoom in on one phrase here. Uh, this person said, you know, I, I feel like I'm losing out. I feel like I'm missing out on the good things in life. I just want to know what are the good things in life that you're missing out on? Pretty much whatever I'm missing out on, I feel must be the good thing. Well, there, there is that, you know, the, the, the idea of well, the grass is always greener on the other side. I'm not happy. So it must be because I'm missing something. And then if I get those missing things and put them into my life, then I'll be happy. Sounds capitalism. Exactly right. For some reason, we think those things are almost certainly material based in some sort of way. And one of the things that we do uh, in in our ministry uh, is to create a, a, a weekly service that people can come to, where everyone there is focused and determined on moving forward in their walk. Some of them are brand new. Some are been in it a while, but they have the exact same focus. Uh, and despite the fact that some may be further along in that journey than others, everyone has the same attitude. and That is to say, everyone is equally humble about where they are. I'm further along than you, yes, but I'm still a work in progress just the same as you are. So there's a humility to that, and there's a unity to that. But when you're there, you know, A, you're ex receiving as much acceptance as you will ever experience mm. in the rest of your life. You are experiencing as much of people believing in your potential than you can anywhere else 
any time else for the rest of your life. You have on day one of being in, in our ministry there, coming right out of jail, coming right off the streets, day one, we are giving you everything people look for their entire lives. And it really kind of, it, it, it puts people in a, a place where they get to ask, if I had a better job, if I had more money, if I had a nice stable house and all that, I wouldn't have more of these things which really count. I've sort of got all the things that I thought I would have if I achieved a lot on day one. Mm -hmm. And you could see how that works in their mind of that means then if I do get a job, that's just icing on the cake. And that's a really good feeling. It's a good feeling to be able to come in and celebrate and say, hey, guys, I got a job and have other people celebrate that with you. Suddenly the job means more because there are people to celebrate it with. So it's it's funny how we get those things backwards. We think if I got the job, I'd have friends. <laughs> you know, it doesn't, if I had a job, people would really believe in me. No, I mean, come on, it doesn't work that way. Uh, it, it, the, the idea is to find those people who believe in you now, that celebrate you now and appreciate you now. Uh, those are the good things. If you if you add a job on top of that, uh, or marriage, or dating relationships, any of these other things, that becomes just icing on that cake. Um. The other thing that we're talking about here is getting ahead. Seems like everybody else is getting ahead while I'm trying to make up for lost time. Um, okay, here's what getting ahead... I think I know what you mean by getting ahead, um, and I think you're super wrong, but uh, let's talk about what getting ahead ought to mean for you. Being set free. Mm. That's how you get ahead. Here are the things you might need. I don't know your specific situation, but here's a, a list of things you might need to be free from. Insecurity, fear, jealousy, these kinds of things. If you are in these things, you are uh, in a bondage. You are uh, uh, Others are getting ahead in life because they don't have those things. That's what you need to be set free from for you to get ahead of where you are now. That is to say, I can give you a job, but if you're insecure, you're just going to be insecure about your new job. Right. That the, the the new job doesn't solve that problem. Uh, however, if I lose that insecurity and I go into that new job, well, you know, I'm going to do better because I have the confidence and boldness and assertiveness. And people say, "Wow, this this person's got it all together," and you you do well in job and you feel good about yourself. It's an upward uh, spiral there. But it's, it's about recognizing what are the things that you need. If, if you want to move ahead, that's not achievement, that's not job or money or a nice house or a, a cute boyfriend or any of those things. You move ahead when you get free from those things that are holding you back. And, and we'd love to help you with that. We care about that. That's what we're f focused on with you and for you. Absolutely right. I think that's all really, really fantastic stuff. We're going to move on to our final question here. It is... Our bridge box question for January 2019, and it says, I used to have so much drama and excitement in my life, but now I get bored and I feel like I don't know how to have fun. How do I deal with boredom? And it really is a great question. I think it applies to all of us. We all get a little restless time to time. We can feel that that's, uh, we can feel that that says more than it does. We discussed in a previous episode. We also can make some bad decisions to kind of break out of that or, Embrace the boredom, which is also not great. But Lee, where would you start us off with this idea? Yeah, I I, I do think this is a great question. I, I love the way this came in, and the the thing for me on this is uh, when I was reading the question, I looked at the piece about the drama, and and I don't know exactly what you know specifically what you mean there. I do I do wonder if you mean like the kind of drama that people have where you know, like relationships are always in upheaval. You don't know where you stand with people, that kind of stuff. And <clears throat> and I'll tell you this, there is a sort of excitement to that just because there's a, who knows what's going to happen. But when you get to a certain point and, and 
I, I may be wrong about this, but for me, when I got to a certain age, I just realized, man, I hate that stuff. I hate it. I hate it. And there's some people who live on drama. They're not alive unless there's all this kind of senseless drama and stuff like that. And our hope for you is to get into a whole different kind of life, a whole different kind of fulfillment, a whole different kind of thing that is deeper and more rich and more exciting than that. And I would tell you this on that tip. I would say you need to chase some adventure, chase down some real life. And it sounds weird if you've never done it, but I'll tell you this out of my own personal experience. I'll tell the I'll tell you this out of what I've understood from the scriptures. And I'll also tell you this out of time and time again of taking young people I know who have come to know the Lord and then taking them on a specific kind of adventure. But the I mean about the most exhilaration you will ever find in this life comes from serving someone and watching their situation change as a result of the way you served them. There is nothing that feels that way. When you do something for somebody else, you meet a need of theirs, you, you, you help them break free, you, you share with them, you, you do something for them, and it changes their day, and they feel that love coming from you, that is a... Uh, that is, that is the most polar opposite thing from boredom that you can possibly imagine. And if you've never tasted that before, there's nothing like it. Um, I have seen uh, person after person after person that I have, you know, pulled alongside me in some kind of, you know, ministry adventure or something like that just come alive. I mean, we take a group of we take a group of high school slash college kids up to Chicago every summer. We take a group of adults, usually in the spring, up to Chicago and they you know, they spend like just one little bridge service with with these guys here and you know at the bridge on a Tuesday night. And man, these people come back just lit on fire, just like that was the greatest thing I've ever done. When can we go again? Can we turn the van back around and go back and do the whole thing? It's like, no, no, they've already got another host team for the next week. So, you know, everybody just calm down, you know, but this is a thing is like, if you have some boredom and you're looking and you're missing like old school, like high school drama, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, serve somebody. I remember being in a conversation with Jed years ago and I was telling him about playing a song for some guys in, in, in the jail and a guy called the song my song. That's what the guy called it. He said, did you bring my song in here? And this was a song that, that I had written and brought into the jail. And Jed said, you did it. And I was like, what do you mean? And he said, you have now achieved the reason you first picked up a guitar in the first place, which was the reason we all picked up a guitar was to change the world. That's what we that's what we wanted to do. And we all wanted to be like you two and you know play for a giant stadium of hundreds of thousands of people and everything and then get the chance to change the world. And he said, "But what you got to do was you played that one song for one person and it changed his day. It set him free. It changed his life." And it was like, yes, that's that feeling. That is that thing. And that fulfillment and that thing of just being able to serve somebody and make a difference in their day. There's nothing like it. It, it, it is a thousand miles from boredom, but it's also a thousand miles from drama. It's a different and deeper and richer kind of life. And I would encourage you to chase an adventure like that in serving Jesus and through him serving somebody else. That's all really, really good stuff. A great place to start. While we're talking about smart things that Jed said, let's go to Jed. Oh, yeah, very uh, nice. Jed, one thing, another smart thing you said. We were talking about this. This is um, so our Bridgebox topic uh, for the month is going to be overall how to deal with boredom. This is the exact wording of the question we answered at the bridge on the night we recorded our sermons and stuff. And uh, so when we do that, we have a lunch meeting. There's myself, Jed, Glenn, and our, our coworker Pete. We kind of talk over particulars of the topic. We do that every week, and that's kind of how we preach the bridge. But one of the things we were talking about in that that kind of breaking this down uh, meeting, Jed, was this idea that a lot of our men and women to come to the bridge really struggle with this idea. They would say, I used to just have so much fun. And what they're describing, if they ask, well, what was that like? What they describe does not sound fun. Nope. It sounds terrifying at every conceivable turn. And what they kind of mean by fun is I had a lot of neural stimulation yeah. going on yep. one way or the other. 
And I think we we all go through times like that. That could that could be a kind of a wild youth. But that could even be you know I was in college and I lived in the dorms. So there's always something going on, and now I'm outside of that. Earlier, so how do we how do we start to look at that difference between there was always something in my face versus actually having fun? So those are different things. There's no question about it. it uh, we've had this question comes up a lot actually behind bars uh, of just. You know, I, I hear all the Christian stuff you guys are saying, but I feel like I need to go out and kind of live that wild life. I feel like that's just, you know, the, the real me, and I don't, I don't know what to do with that. So the thing is, um, a lot of misbehavior, so to speak, is very stimulating. You know, someone's chasing you with a gun. You are very stimulated in that moment. I am very aware of my surroundings. The cops could burst in and arrest you at any moment. You're very stimulated. That doesn't mean you're enjoying yourself. Right. That's a completely different thing. You know, um, fun involves happiness. Fun involves joy. Uh, I've been, I mean, I've been a musician for a long time. I've been in a lot of nightclubs. I don't think you've got enough happiness and joy to fill a thimble in most nightclubs. Yeah. There's a ton of stimulation. I mean, it is, it is stimulation on semi-literal steroids. There's no happiness and there's no joy right. at all. So I think we may want to acknowledge a couple of things. The first is we're not so much seeking to replicate an old thing. We're talking about something we've never had before. I think there are a lot of people who have had so vanishingly little happiness and joy in their lives that this is really something new that we are looking for. It's, it's not even a replacement for an old thing. It's just a new thing that we don't exactly have a frame of reference <clears throat> on. And I think if we want to be fair, it's hard to miss something you've never really had. And it's, it's hard to value properly something that you've never really had. But it may be worth asking uh, two things. The first is, what would happiness and joy do for you? I mean, if, if it's so great, why don't you just marry happiness and joy? Okay, I think you should. Here's why. The first is the Bible says the joy of the Lord will be your strength. And that's an idea that Christians don't meditate on very often. Making tough changes in your life involves strength. But the kind of strength God wants for you is not gritted teeth strength. And that also does not work very well. The kind of strength God wants for you from making those tough changes is the kind that comes from joy. That's, that's the thing that he wants for you. The second thing, and this is just my personal experience, but I think it's worth looking at. I think joy lets you see things differently. You know, Paul wrote that we see through a glass darkly, that it's, we're all in a dimly lit room kind of stumbling our way through trying to figure this thing out. For me, when I have those moments where I'm in touch with joy, I can see what's in that room a lot better. I have a much better sense of where I'm going and where I'm headed. It's much harder to navigate properly when there's no joy of any kind. Maybe that's not true in your life. It's definitely been true in mine. And I think it's worth looking at. I think I know scripturally that joy is a source of strength. I think it's also a source of clarity. Uh, and I think people really undervalue it on that, on that tip. But there's one more thing. I mentioned that um, this question comes up a lot in jail. And when it comes up in jail, it's often a hypothetical. I've never really tried to live a straight life. I've never really tried to live a Christian life, but I can't imagine that I'd like it. And I can't imagine that I'd be good at it. And I can't imagine that it would be a good fit for me. So what do I do? If you want different results, you got to do different stuff. Boo. Boo. <laughs> I agree. I agree. But. <laughs> <laughs> Boo aside, if we want a different life, we got to do different things. That's right. Um, you know, the, the, you have, you know, for the folks that we work with, you have a sense of what a life of constant stimulation seeking will yield. You, you know what that does. It ain't great, dude. And, and if it was, if it was great, you wouldn't have any interest in what we're talking about because you'd be perfectly satisfied and you'd be <laughs> on to your next adventure. Right. Um, we're talking about something new. We're talking about something that you haven't tried before. That involves uncertainty. That involves newness. That involves risk. That involves change. I can promise you, as can the whole of scripture, it's worth it. It's yeah. worth that risk. It's worth taking you know, getting into that cold bath that feels like it would be awkward and unfamiliar. It's worth it. Take that next step. Absolutely right. And Glenn, I'd love to get you close out here looking at this idea that uh, these guys have set up for us of something that actually is fulfilling, that is, mm -hmm. uh, is meaningful, and is fun. I mean, people don't always 
conflate all those things or the idea that I, I do Sunday morning and eat my roughage and do meaningful and profound. And then there's also sometimes, if there's time, frivolous, fun things. But mm. as Jed points out and as Lee pointed out, um, we're called to have a life that has all those things. Yeah. And one of the things that Christianity does offer, and we talk about good fellowship and that stuff, is the the meaningful stuff should be the fun stuff. So mm. if we've kind of always looked at life as the diff as the different there, fun is what I do to distract myself from everything else. How do we start looking at this idea of fun in the context of purpose? Well, I I think a lot of that has to do with um, finding good people to do that with. You know, having good fellowship, people that you click with, that allows you to. Um, uh, have fellowship in the midst of that serving process, and that really makes a big difference. It makes it a lot more enjoyable. I think a lot of what you know when we think of boredom, a lot of that has to do with solitude. You know that you're not out and with other people, and a lot of people that uh, experience boredom in a crowd, it's because they're they're not actively doing anything. They're just all there. I, uh, the, the give me a sort of a crazy example when I was in college. Uh, I, my roommate, uh, who's uh, he was, he, you know, he was a certain type of dude, and um, we're we're sitting, we we're talking about how the 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 uh, uh, the president of the university, the the dean there, he had a putting green on. He had a big mansion and next to it a putting green, and but we, students weren't allowed to putt on the putting green, so we decided that was injustice. So um, it was very late at night, and we said, "Well, let's go putt on it anyway. We don't care. We're striking a blow for freedom." Well, there's no, you know, the, you can't see anything. So we took a flashlight, like you know, a big D cell flashlight, just put it on top of our 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 heads, and then took tape and then run that under our chin and over the top of our heads, and went out uh, with uh, each of us a putter, and we crossed campus over to the the dean's place and started putting. And we were striking a blow for freedom. It drew a lot of looks. Revolutionary putting, really. Exactly right. At some point, uh, quite literally, uh, we heard sirens, and the police were being summoned. And then we ran. We ran very heavily. We we <laughs> we had to cross a, a ditch. That was the original title, that Flock of Seagull song. It did not scan very well. <laughs> we ran through a ditch that we later uh, determined was the outlet from a sewage treatment plant. Ooh. Ah. And then uh, we're, we're darting from building to building across campus, and eventually we made our way back to our dorm room where we're sitting, <laughs> glistening with sweat, a general funk over us, and we're just both panting. That's the full Andy Dufresne. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly right. And we're sitting there experiencing that, and a couple of the guys with the gelled slick back hair <laughs> with a, a, a fraternity, uh, the jackets on or whatever the, you know, the gear and just come back from their, their party. They're both holding red solo cups and they're like, what'd you guys do? And the, my roommate's uh, answer, I think was very telling. He just said nothing because <laughs> if I told you, you would just feel sad about your sad party where nothing happened and you were just Woo! lonely and you did not have any form of fun whatsoever. You didn't, it wasn't a bold and amazing thing. Party? You, you just, you know, yeah, you just existed in the same room together holding red solo cups. That's nothing, you know. So I think it's about having that, the people that you click with that you can go in on some really cool adventures with. If you combine that, as, as Matt's talking about, with something where you're making a difference in the world, whether that's, uh, you know, we're building houses for Habitat for Humanity or we're, uh, you know, uh, volunteering to help with the kids at, at school or, uh, or at church, excuse me, uh, if you're just cleaning up after the service and you and your buddies are just talking about the football game and uh, sweeping the floors, that's going to be more fun and more meaningful, and it's going to give you more of that rush than you get from any of these other things that are sort of fake excitement that other people are into. Yeah, absolutely right. I think that idea of, and we talked about this in the, my my sermon that we preached on the, the night of the, we answered this question, is the idea of to have life and have it to the fullest. And we're, Glenn and I were actually talking about that beforehand. It's one of those ideas of, that sounds like a, a just a really kind of easy Sunday school verse, and you get a lot of bite on that. When you start to think about that idea, that's a tougher sell than you think. Because 
uh, life to the fullest can mean a lot to a lot of people. And there's almost an accusatory thing of, you know, and I think that's the way that verse sometimes gets misused, the idea of, well, you know, you should just be happy with this now because you got this and Jesus. So, you know, you're kind of complaining about Jesus. Right. And how you do, you know, is salvation boring? Is that what you're saying? Mm. Cruci- crucifixion's boring now because mm-hmm. like, he was crucified. I don't know if you heard. <laughs> so there's a lot of like um, putting on that. Hey, what's a crucifixion? I have no idea. <laughs> okay, that really feels like an oversight for someone to host a Christian podcast. But yeah. <laughs> sounds icky. I just kind of skipped that part. Okay, uh, but I know a lot of churches you can go to if you'd like to hear a uh, 75 minute medically detailed description of that process. They can give me a burrito to eat as I uh, listen. You wouldn't want one. Oh, okay. While you're listening to that, but this idea of um, you know, it's not wrong to want more in your life. It's not wrong to want fullness in your life. A lot of this comes from is actually something Jeb talked about in the last episode. That idea of wanting to pathologize and really uh, demonize just basic human desires and needs. Uh, that idea of I want, I want fun. I want excitement. I want a certain amount of stimulation. Yes, there are tons of ways in which that can lead to a lot of problems. However, the answer to that is not to sit in a room enjoying a nice warm bowl of melted vanilla ice cream. Right. Just so you don't run unintentionally rock the boat. There's plenty of fun to be had following uh, God's plan for you because there's a lot of adventure in that. I think that idea of, I think a lot of folks who grow up maybe around religious stuff has this idea of, you know, well, there's the, I got to do the church part. But then, and that could even be something like, then we go, out to lunch with my friends and that's fun and that's kind of close. But what we, what we want for you, what we think God wants for you is all that to, to be part of the same thing. We want this, the stuff that we have more fun than you could possibly believe helping people get their lives together for Absolutely. Jesus. And that's, you uh, heard a, a couple months ago, if you listen to the show for a while, you've heard uh, us talk to the move in ladies from Toronto. Yeah. They came to the city. They took this. They took the city of Chicago on like a wildfire. Yeah. They came in. I. They. They did not stop smiling ear to ear the entire time. As Lee's talking about when a group comes off the bridge, and that's not because the bridge is amazing. The bridge is amazing. Yeah. But people have the exact same kind of fun at young life camps, on oh, yeah. short term mission trips, and all sorts of stuff. That's right. Because you're doing a thing where you can just. There's something really amazing about the idea of. The more I put into this, the more I'm going to get out of it. Yep. There's no hangover. Yes, there's right. no headache. Yes. There's no bad thing that comes at the end of me just going all out on this. Yeah. That is a very particular type of fun and mm. certainly one that if you're not having, we want you to have. If you have a question for us, say it at podcast.gmail.com, thebridgechicago.tumblr.com. We're going to take out with a song from last month's Bridgebox. This is from our sister program, The Bridge Loud. Podcast comes out every Friday, also available on Call FM Sunday, 9 p.m. at Eastern. And if you are a vampire or work some kind of just really ungodly job that you shouldn't be working, you can catch it at 3.30 a.m. Central Time, mm. Saturday into Sunday, on Q Rock here in the Chicago land area. But this is featuring the vocals of our friend Lynn Honeyman. is a song called Fatherless. So take out that. Thanks for listening. Just remember, we love you. God loves you. There's nothing you can do about it. The Say That Podcast, home of the Say That Shrink Ray. We're turning mega churches into micro churches. <laughs> yes! <laughs> He's the father to the fatherless. Looks out for those in distress. When I was Gave me a home And he'll never, he'll never leave me alone Sometimes I feel 
Give me 